0: Hey, this is Beth, and this is Jeff, and this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ.
1: Today, we have part two of our interview with Adam Young on the Enneagram and trauma.
0: Yeah, well, here's the rest of that conversation with Adam Young.
1: Well, friends, thanks for joining us for episode two. Uh, We're having an interview with Adam Young on how the Enneagram informs uh, trauma and developmental trauma. And so Adam's done an excellent job and Beth's uh, been commenting on how uh, each type works and then insights on how uh, each type interprets and experiences Um, tragedy in their lives. Well, Adam, in our first episode, you discussed with us a a definition, a working definition for developmental trauma. Would you mind reminding our listeners of that definition? Yeah, I mean, the
2: key things to think about are three, attunement, responsiveness, and engagement. In other words, when you were an eight-year-old boy, when you were a 13-year-old girl, was your mother and father attuned to you, which gets at, did they know what was going on inside your heart, in you emotionally? Were they aware of when you were sad, when you were angry, when you were uh, depressed? And were they uh, curious about why? Which leads to the second thing, which is responsiveness. A parent can be aware and not respond. You needed your mother and father to respond to your upset, to respond to your disappointment, to respond to the emotional ups and downs that accompany living in this world. And if there was not a sense of responsiveness from your mother and or father, then you're growing up, frankly, in abandonment. Uh, Abandonment does not primarily Refer to physical abandonment It refers to emotional abandonment If you're not attuned to, if you're not responded to, you know, something of emotional abandonment. And that has profound effects on the development of your brain on your capacity to regulate your affect on all sorts of measurements of of, of emotional health. And then the third component uh, that you needed for a healthy environment was engagement. And that just refers to, was there an internal intention on the part of your mother and father to really know you? To to know your insides, to know what makes you you, what makes you different than your brother and sister, and did they delight in that uniqueness that was you. So if you didn't get attunement, adequate attunement, adequate responsiveness, and adequate engagement, you you know something
1: of developmental trauma, (laughs) Well, uh, as we go through each of the numbers, we're going to reflect back upon those three things and so and apply it specifically. If you're a type one, two, and three, be sure to go back to episode uh, one of the series. But we're going to start off with uh, type four. So, Bethy, why don't you tell us about type fours?
0: Yeah. So type fours, they're going to desire to be their most authentic self, to be unique, to be special, to be different, because they fear that they're not unique, that they're just ordinary people. And if that's so, then are people going to fully see them and love them for who they are? And so for them, their underlying fear is that they're going to be worthless or misunderstood and unlovable because maybe they're just average. So they're struggling and constantly Constantly trying to get away from ordinariness and striving towards this uniqueness? Will someone see and pay attention to my unique core? But here's the thing, they struggle feeling flawed, and that something foundational is missing inside them. And so for them, they're looking at everyone else saying, see, everyone is complete and whole, but not me, there's something flawed, there's something missing. And so this This feeling uh, of feeling this missing piece, it says to them, well, if I have this missing piece, then I can't fully be loved. I've got to, I've got to fill this part of me with uniqueness and differentness. And I need to stand out so that others can love me. But see, the core longing is for them to hear you are loved and seen for exactly who you are, special and unique. That's what they're wanting to experience, but they're not experiencing that. And so their brain kind of. Uh, kicks in. And so all of a sudden, you're going to see them uh, being different, unique, standing out or emotional. Um, they will go into their inner world and have a tsunami of emotions that overcome them. And you'll feel this vulnerability and um, kind of the highs and lows of their type. And so Adam, how does that play into uh, trauma for when they were growing up?
2: Oh goodness. So many ways. So I, I mean, I'm just, as you were talking, I'm picturing a seventh grade girl and she is a four and she loves her purple belt. Mm. She has a purple belt. Her, uh, again, the, the the tragedy with abuse is that very often uh, our abusers were more interested in us and provided more care, comfort connection than our mother or father mom doesn't care that she has a purple belt. Uh, Mom is actually envious of the fact that her seventh grade daughter is beginning to develop as a woman and is not fond of the fact that, uh, her father is actually closer to her uh, than she is to her mother. Mom and dad are not close to each other. There's triangulation, uh, which is to set up for all abuse and is in itself abuse. And the bottom line is that this four can't get anyone to see her purple belt, mm-hmm. which is symbolic of her unique taste, her, her style, etc. But someone else sees it, mm-hmm. notices it comments on it. And again, Inside the four, it's a sense of I am at home with this other person who is going to become her abuser because they see me, yeah. they get me. That's even a better word. They get me yes. for a four. Mm-hmm. It's that sense of they get me. Mm-hmm. They del- and, and we have to keep that word delight pulsing yes. throughout this entire conversation. This person delights in my uniqueness and they are going to open that seventh grade girl is going to open her heart to anyone who notices her purple belt and comments on it.
1: Yeah. Mm. You know, type fours often have, uh, or can have this line or uh, phrase in their mind that they're too much. Or, or not mm. enough. It's both. In, in, or not mm. enough, which I mean, that, that is, yeah. that captures ambivalence right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But can you comment on, ambivalence as it would relate to a four
2: well let me comment on the 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 too much part Uh, fours have so much inside of them there's so much in there and very often um with developmental trauma a symptom of it is problems with what's called affect regulation and affect simply refers to that internal uh sense of either uh, panic fear anger rage which is called hyperarousal or shut down numbed checked out which is called hypoarousal but that internal sense of, of 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 emotional arousal is is what we mean by affect fours often will have difficulty with affect regulation and that's where you get that sense of I'm too much. Nobody can handle me, nobody can contain me and all of my uniqueness. Nobody gets me. And that 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 battle with not being seen, understood, delighted in is dysregulating for us because we want to be loved and known and enjoyed. And so that four, then it's a vicious cycle. They get dysregulated, they get panicky, they're often anxious. Uh, they, they they get um, upset quickly and it's this sense of the interpretation is nobody can handle me I'm too much
0: mm-hmm. and nobody mm-hmm. understands me and nobody
1: understands me related to the questions you presented at the top of this podcast that if your parents are giving you a message that as they seek to attune to you but feel overwhelmed which is their own stuff that's not the type force but the message is no, I, I don't want to attune to you because you're too much. It's just reinforced. And so even yes. like your parents have in some way contributed to the message that you are telling yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it gets
2: named as you're too sensitive. You're a drama queen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these are these are, frankly, curses mm-hmm. that are placed upon the glory of this girl's forness. Yeah. Yes. And they are curses placed because the mother and or father does not know what to do with their son or daughter. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Which gets us back to the core longing. What? So the parent might be thinking, Oh, I need to see their uniqueness. I need to tell them how great their belt, their purple belt is. Those are all good things. But what the four is needing, what the four is longing and to hear and experience is you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique as God created you. And when you hit that message over and over again and lead your child or lead your own self, if you're a four, lead yourself back to the spring of living water, who Christ himself says this all day, every day, that's where the real healing happens.
1: Great. Well, why don't we move on to type five?
0: Okay. So type fives, they desire to have enough knowledge and information to be capable and competent in what they do. So they're striving to gain more information, to gain more resources, and definitely to make sure that their energy is uh, replenished and uh, never depleted. So what you're going to see is in fives, they fear being helpless incapable with dealing with the world and those that are around them. They're also going to fear that there's going to be this catastrophic Depletion inside them, especially their energy or other resources that that they feel will keep them independent and autonomous. Um, so, for fives, they're going to constantly move towards what they can master. So, continuing to learn, they're also going to move towards isolation, meaning to be by themselves, to process their thoughts and feelings, to keep those energy reserves uh, replenished, to not be depleted, but they're going to feel from others, this sense of depletion, this sense of intrusion. And I always tell people, it's kind of like they have this um, battery within, and it is about their interactive life with people. And this battery, when they wake up every day, it's about 20 to 25% full. Whereas, you know, when we wake up with our cell phone, we're hoping that it's 100%, we can go all day. Um, But for them, they only have so much Interactive battery. So they have to ration it out. Well, if they're in a family or a circumstance or a situation where they're being demanded or obligations put on them or intruded or their surprises it is going to radically deplete that internal battery, so much so that they fear catastrophic depletion. And so what they're longing and wanting to hear and experience is to hear your needs are not a problem. Because for them in their mind, they feel like their needs are these, let's say, like massive boulders that are hard for them to, you know, take care of, let alone, why would I hand this over to anyone else? So they try to minimize their needs and take care of themselves. But the mind constantly is playing the line, that they have to hoard their resources, they have to hoard their energy, and they have to stay autonomous in order to make sure that catastrophic depletion doesn't happen. So Adam, how does this play into maybe the role of trauma in someone's life? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now, we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today.
2: Yeah, I mean, a five is going to process sexual abuse as it was my neediness that got me abused. Mm. The the thinking is, if only I didn't need that, my grandfather's care and attention, then I could have prevented the abuse. If I didn't need delight, if I didn't need comfort, if I didn't need somebody to pay attention to me, then it wouldn't have happened. Mm. And that, again, it sets off a war that is unique to the five through their lens of understanding and interpreting why they got abused in the first place. But it always comes back to a self-contemptuous conclusion. And for the five, that conclusion is going to center around their neediness.
1: Wow. That's yeah, incredible. And, and two, as it relates to five, it's interesting how fives go about having their needs met. Like we've noticed a lot of fives marry twos. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and But it's not that the fives necessarily ask for help. Mm
0: -hmm. That's hard. But it's
1: someone who's always attuning to them without them needing to initiate. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. you have the issue of ambivalence, that I'm going to live and sometimes... (laughs) You know, we uh, Beth talks about fives, the kind of the absent-minded professor, where they may look a little disheveled. They're not fully aware of their appearance or their bodies. They're just all kind of thinking in their minds, um, and yet they also have needs, and you can see that showing up in some of their relationships, where there's ambivalence. I I, I want your help, but I don't want. It. Too much help. Well,
0: and actually, that plays very well into a parent-child situation. You know, uh, parents hopefully are attuning and seeing the needs of their child, whether it's just physical food and water and shelter, um, all the way to other needs. Um, and so on one side, the five, you know, that's good to have someone attune to us. At the same time, if they are over-attuning and intruding for the five, that is, for them, it's too much too much. And so there's that ambivalence of, yes, I want to be cared for, but now you're intruding. Now you're placing obligations upon me and I need to withdraw. Yes. Actually, to come back to that last point of what they're longing for. So the fives are longing to hear that your needs are not a problem. So as we parent ourselves, you know, our inner core If we're a five or if we're a parent with a five, how do we guide them back to the spring of living water? And the greatest thing is that Christ replenishes us. He is the one that takes care of all of our needs. Um, he is the spring of living water that satisfies. So, yes, parents, it's awesome if you are attuned and you're engaging and responsive but only Christ can fully satisfy that for the type five. So keep bringing them back there so that they actually feel the true replenishment that they long for.
1: Okay. Why don't we dive into type six?
0: All right. So type six is, so for the sixes, they desire to have guidance, security, and support from others. And they're striving this, striving for this because they lack the trust in themselves. So for them, they're going to fear not having the guidance and security that they long for, and they absolutely fear being blamed or abandoned. So for them, the underlying fear is that they're incapable of surviving on their own and that they must seek the support and direction from others, because they can't trust themselves. They have this inner committee that's constantly chiming in from all different directions of what could possibly happen. So they're moving away from isolation and towards that structure, that security and support that they think a trusted person will offer to them. And that's where it can all fall apart. But before Adam, you chime in on that, the core longing, with their longing to hear and experience is to hear you are safe and secure. But when they don't get that, this internal dialogue, this lie pops in and says, you're all alone. You didn't scan. You didn't prepare. Why did you let this happen? You can't trust yourself. And then the cycle continues. So, Adam, can you speak to the type six and trauma?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, the bottom line is that with developmental trauma, you aren't safe in your home if you're not attuned to as a 10 year old boy if your parents are not responding to you as a freshman in high school girl and if there is no engagement from your dad to really know your heart your home is not emotionally safe And so for the six, it's just going to confirm what their grid is already telling them, which is that that, that they're not safe. And, and sadly, the, the tragedy is, is that in that in, in the example of developmental trauma, it, this is not just a core fear. It's reality. Mm. They're not emotionally safe in their own home. And what that does, of course, I know it sounds like a broken record, but it sets them up for abuse. Mm. It sets them up. I mean, it is abuse, but it sets them up for further abuse. It sets them up for somebody who provides a sense of safety. And by a sense, I mean a felt sense in their body that they are finally that someone will pay attention to them and give them a sense of bodily based security and safety. Safety and a six—they're uh, going to respond to that like nobody's business. Like I'm home, I'm safe here. I can let down. I can let my guard down. I can relax. Mm-hmm. And then comes the violation, and
1: hence the war for the six. Mm. And recently, um so and just in light of my story, I've been participating in ACA, which is a twelve-step recovery uh, program, and recently as i've uh as we've moved into our new home our kids are now completely out uh i've tried to establish a more calming rhythm but what's been provocative for me is that whenever i'm not in aca we use the term addicted to excitement we bring a heightened sense to all of our affairs this and for me that's the hypervigilance yes but the more that i've kind of calmed down the more i feel unsafe mm-hmm. where it's like if i'm not vigilant yes. i'm going to be hurt again yes and so even my body wants to amp up and start worrying about things and in light of that was that was the response to not being attuned to yeah. if you're not going to respond to me and engage with me regarding the trouble i am experiencing as a child then i will become my own parent yes and try my best and this is where sixes kind of have that witty street smart mentality because we like fine. Okay. We'll do it alone. And yet live in ambivalence that we're looking for someone, please someone see me yeah, and help me. Yeah. And
2: it's um, a, a, a six with developmental trauma is the most hypervigilant person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. their lens yeah. of their type and the fact of the trauma in their environment come together to create this sense of my eyes have to be seeing everything everywhere to protect myself.
0: Hmm. Right. Yes. Right. And that's where we can, whether self-lead ourselves if we're a type six, or if we are a parent to a type six, where we can let them know that we will provide them that safety and security to the best of our ability by trying to attune, to respond and to engage, but ultimately guiding them to that spring of living water because God is the ultimate one that gives us the safety and security. His uh, life, death and resurrection ascension are the security that we need because he has completed all things on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So that is exactly the path that we need to walk the six to through as they work through Uh, trauma. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Well, why don't we uh, dive into type seven?
0: All right. So type sevens, they desire to be fully satisfied, happy, and content. And they're striving to really achieve their wildest dreams and fulfillment, but they fear being trapped in emotional pain, being deprived, limited, bored, and definitely missing out on anything that could be fun. And so this underlying fear is that their needs and desires may not be met by others. And so They're just going to have to do it alone, be independent, go for it, because no one else is obviously helping me complete these satisfactions. So they're constantly moving away from this pain and sadness and hopelessness, but they're moving towards independence, their own fulfillment and happiness. But as this type seven, they long to hear and experience, you will be taken care of. Now, this can be really hard for a type seven. They're like, what? You will be taken care of. What do you mean? Like, I'm okay. They'll reframe a lot of things. But think of it as a child. You know, when when we're children, we're like, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? Can we go to Baskin Robbins? Can we go to a movie? And we keep saying, can we, can we, can we, can we? And the parent, even if their parent was like, yes, 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 to five things, eventually the parent says, we've got to go home, take a bath, do our chores and go to bed. And no matter what level the seven has been satisfied up to that point, it's just not enough They're They long for so much more. It never feels fully complete. And so they don't feel like they're absolutely being taken care of to to the completion, to the fulfillment that they want. So to have someone say you will be taken care of and really mean it at that deep core means so much to them. But when they don't get that, they have this internal record player, this lie that says, I cannot rely on others for my satisfaction Mm -hmm. to satisfy this craving. I've got to do it on my own. So, Adam, Adam, how would you uh, talk about type six and trauma,
1: or type seven? I mean, I'm sorry, sorry,
0: type seven. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it's again, it goes back to the setup. I I, I mean, the bottom line is that a seven growing up in a home where there is developmental trauma, where they're not attuned to, they're not responded to, they're not engaged with, they are going to know deep down in their gut. Uh, that their needs and their desires are not going to be attended to and that they are not going to be met Um, and that creates uh, for a seven not just a hunger which is common to all types but a panic a a sense of uh, a desperation and and they are going to look anywhere and everywhere for that desperation to be soothed. And sadly, that's what abusers pick up on and that's what they capitalize on. And so the seven is going to, again, be set up for abuse uh, by someone else because of the lack in their own home of care, of comfort, of connection, of security.
1: Adam, uh, oftentimes sevens, um, the core longing doesn't quite land on them where you know when beth's uh, just like she said in introducing the seven that um that my needs will be taken care of often sevens will say that they're they more aligned with the core longing that they will be content mm. how do you think those two phrases are actually connected as it relates to their relational style do you have any thoughts about what that what two phrases um so in once it, in in proper enneagram it's uh, you um be taken care you of. will be taken care of mm-hmm. but often sevens more resonate with you will be content. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, you know I don't know. Um my inclination is to defer to Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Um i don't I don't know the 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 mind and heart of a seven well enough to know how that translation happens, yeah i
0: think I think you can actually combine the two. You can say, uh, your deep longings will be taken care of,
1: yeah, it feels safer to say I'll be content than I'll be taken care of. It feels like a, that there's dependency. Well, uh, I'm going to deny my desire to be attuned to, to be responded to and engaged with. And so at some point, maybe I'll be able to find a path where I'll be content mm-hmm. and not have desire. Yeah.
0: Well, I think if we think of it from the perspective, let's say, of a parent and child, you know, because, you know, children have all of these desires to be satisfied in a variety of ways, Um But the parent knows what taking care of them really is, you know. And so when I think of it, it's the seven could have an endless list of ways that they could be satisfied and content. But Christ knows Where true contentment lies, and he will nurture that, he will care for that. And so, I think the seven has to kind of reorient the mind of what is contentment, what is satisfaction, and who is taking care of that ultimate need. And can I fully trust and rest in them? Because they're the lie again is, I have to do it myself, I can't depend on anyone else, I've got to do it. And Christ is saying, No, not only. Did someone take care of your knees? He's constantly replenishing you, which is me, the spring of living water. So we want the sevens to recognize that, yes, there is, you know, a lot of things that you could have on this earth, but there's only one thing you need. And I tell people like sevens are like a kid who's, let's say, starving. And they're around a bunch of people that have cotton candy well, it looks amazing and they have this desire for it and they sure are hungry. They're like you said, they're panicky, they're desperate and they go around eating all this cotton candy and for a second it feels and tastes great, but it does not satisfy what they really need. And so Christ is the one that knows what your needs are and he will take care of them. Before we
1: move on to type eight, Adam, is there any other thoughts you have about sevens? They're not likely to go to therapy. hmm <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. My, yes, I know. I, I won't say who, um, but I have a dear person in my life that's type 7, and they have gone to therapy after many years yeah. of being convinced. Um, and it was, I mean, he'll say it was amazing. It was so needed. But he said it's like going to the dentist without Novocaine. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. So well, one, one phrase I remember Alaner saying in our training was, Uh, The way out is in. Mm. And so for sevens, uh, dive in. Uh, The the treasure you seek is in the cave you fear. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of help for you uh, to understand these desires. Well, great. Well, why don't we dive into type eight, Beth?
0: All right. Well, this is, you know, these last two, um, Adam, you and I are going to resonate with them a lot. So um, I think that really helps kind of, um, you know, help people to capture, you know, what these types are experiencing, because, you know, there are types, but so the type eights, they desire to protect themselves and those that are around them that are important to them. And so they're going to fight the injustices and stand up for the underdog, but they fear being violated, vulnerable, betrayed and controlled when there's um, like, you know, being at the mercy of injustice, basically. And so this underlying fear that they're going to be manipulated, controlled and harmed, they're going to put up some strong armor. They're going to want to protect themselves. They're, they, they're not going to trust just anyone because their core longing, what they long to hear and experience is you will not be betrayed. I've got your back. I'm the strong one. I'm the protector for you. But when this doesn't happen, their internal record player lies to them and says, I can't trust anyone. But myself. Mm -hmm. And so this leaves them then alone to protect themselves from being harmed and betrayed by others. Mm -hmm. So, Adam, can you speak to this? Yeah.
2: I I mean, the dilemma, of course, with abuse is that um, for the eight, they trusted their abuser, they were groomed, and they opened their heart in trust to this person, and betrayal resulted. And so for the eight, it, 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 it's this co- almost this cosmic sense of uh, how could I have been duped and how could um, I, I have allowed myself to be humiliated and betrayed like this? And again, it comes back to self-contempt, which is the core component of symptom of all trauma. It, it, I was not um, aware enough. Uh, protective enough. Uh, I I should have known that I'm alone in a dangerous world. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's the abuse uh, reaffirms their, their, their conclusion that I am alone in a dangerous world. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, I just got betrayed. And it was because Mm -hmm. of my neediness, which I hate anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so it just creates multitudes of wars inside the heart of an eight.
0: Well, I you know, just kind of paint a picture for people is that AIDS are some of the uh, most tender yeah. on the Enneagram. Yeah. The heart is so tender. Now, people listening might be like, what? <laughs> They're the strong ones, <laughs> right. you know? And I'm like, yes. But think of your a person's heart, you know, as or like an eight, as being like your arm being burned by fire. Yeah. You're not going to just have your arm out there for anyone to bump into. You're going to shield it. You're going to protect it. Well, when the eight's heart has been wounded, they put up a very strong defense, especially for others to experience outwardly. So there's this external shield that people will bump into and they think, oh, they're so big and tough, you know, or intimidating. But really, guys, underneath is this very tender heart and the thought that it being betrayed and harmed and controlled is just beyond what they can uh, bear. So they put on this shield. Uh, would, would you resonate with that? Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we don't like to let, we don't want anyone else to know that our hearts are the most tender hearts out there.
0: Am I, am I outing? Always? Right. You're, you're outing, <laughs> uh,
2: but, but it, it's, it's the case and the healthier that we are, the more we are able to embrace our vulnerability and our tenderness and really see it as beautiful and glorious and
1: God-given.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: You know, I think one of the things that particularly strikes me in this, this brief moment to give to AIDS is their wrestle with shame and contempt. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have, I, I've not always thought of, the strength being the same strength that they actually come against themselves, particularly when it relates to these core experiences. And it, it I don't know why. I mean, I we've listened to a lot of the different types at this point, but for some reason with AIDS, it almost kind of moves me to tears like, oh, no. Like this, the, the ferocity. The ferocity. Yes. That... They would put towards themselves and, you know, the stronger the wall, the stronger their ferocity, um, the kinder, more warmly present, the more that they have kind of tamed that inner lion that's been coming against them. Yeah.
2: And, and you know, eights have this innate sense of injustice and they will they will fight for the underdog Mm -hmm. but for the eight who has been abused they it's like they 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 didn't fight for that boy
0: right oh wow
2: they missed it they missed it
0: did they betray themselves
2: yes Uh, ultimately that's the conclusion yeah they they, did they they let themselves be betrayed but that's that's almost for an eight that's almost synonymous with they betrayed themselves yeah Right. Wow. Because they let the, they let the low person be hurt. Mm. They let the the vulnerable be wounded. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It just happened to be them. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's where I, you know, I just love pointing people back to how Christ satisfies our core longing mean, you know, the core longing of the eight is you will not be betrayed. Christ literally was betrayed, beaten and died and rose again to protect, to win the battle, to be the strong one, to be the shield, to be the rock, the cleft for all of us. But specifically for the eight to know he has protected you and he will protect you. Mm -hmm. You can come to him and drink.
1: Great. Well, why don't we dive into type nine?
0: All right. That's my type. All right. So type nines, we desire to maintain peace and harmony with others and ourselves internally and externally. We uh, we don't want discord. We don't want to be overlooked um, and separated from others. That just... Ugh. No, thank you. So we're constantly running away from any kind of discord, tension of any kind, and longing and pursuing harmony, reconciliation, mediation with others. And so for us, we long to hear that your presence matters, but when we don't get that this internal record player pops in and lies to us saying, you don't really matter. No one sees you. No one really cares. Don't assert yourself. Don't make a big deal about yourself. Just go along to get along. Then you'll find the peace and harmony you're looking for, which just isn't true. It's, it's a false setup. Can you speak to that, Adam?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, for a nine, very often with developmental trauma, of course their presence did not matter mm. to their mother. Uh, their presence did not matter to their father and their presence did matter to their abuser. Uh, And so you can already see just as we've gone through the other types that this is going to create a massive war for a nine. And the war is uh, my presence only matters to those who hurt me. Mm. And not only that, but if I didn't want to be seen if I did, because they're at war with their presence mattering, if I didn't want to be noticed, if I didn't want to be uh, attuned to and responded to, I wouldn't have gotten abused in the first place. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten sucked into this, to this abusive relationship. Right. And, and so again, it comes back to the, the turning on the self and the self-contempt.
0: Yeah. And you know, for the nine, as you're talking, just thinking about my own experiences, it's like, well, what, what's the defensive mechanism? How do I How do I protect myself? And for the nine, it's the defensive mechanism. Defensive mechanism is narcotization or shutting down, numbing out, uh, disassociation, disappearing, disappearing. If I can become invisible or disappear, withdraw, I won't experience the pain of seeing that my presence doesn't matter. Yes. And yes, but then if you do that so much. You're, you're literally setting yourself up for people not to see you and and not to notice you. And that cycle perpetuates. And that's where the setup comes in because someone is going to kind of come in and say, Oh, you do matter. Your presence matters. I want to hear from you. And then you trust and then you're hurt. Um, and that can be just absolutely devastating. Because then yes. can I get the attention from those that I need to care for me in this woundedness?
1: It is interesting. Uh, both you and another uh, friend of ours um, who's a type nine, that one of the phrases that really resonates with the nine is that I'm not enough.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not good enough. Uh,
1: and and Adam, uh, you're married to a nine, if I recall, from our first episode. I mean, have you noticed that with nines, that one of the ways that they interpret the pain is, I'm not enough?
2: Oh, a- absolutely. Um, and, and the other thing I'm just thinking about for, for nines is, uh, there's never a home for their anger.
1: <sighs> <laughs> oh, you just... <laughs> Took a seat in my wife's kitchen. <laughs> yes, there's,
2: there's their, their anger is not welcome, and sadly, uh, they often marry. Sorry, Jeff. They <laughs> often marry people who, because of their own their spouse's type, uh, anger is terrifying. The, the spouse, the nines, anger is terrifying for them. I mean, this is certainly the case in my own marriage, and, and so that creates this kind of dynamic where the nine needs there to be a home for their anger and very often whether we're talking about developmental trauma or when they're grown up and they're married
1: their anger is not welcome in their home Mm. is it fair to say adam that if i can't express my anger i will use the passion the energy behind it to diminish
0: myself Yes, I will
1: speak for that. We're not in marriage counseling right now. That's not what's happening here. I I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But, but Adam, you're going to say something else.
2: Or, or I mean, yes. Or they will make you pay in some other way.
0: You, you don't know that, Jeff. You don't know Sorry. that. Quiet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. We just yeah. need to have Adam on a whole nother show. Maybe we could oh, talk sure. about Oh, Sure. Yeah. Let's dynamics. just get
1: into Jeff and Beth's marriage. I mean, <laughs> this is great.
0: Well, and, and you know, what's interesting because a lot of nines out there are probably sitting there and uh, thinking, um, but I don't have anger. And I'm like, well, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we call it, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, I'm tired. I'm irked. Yeah, I'm irked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I need to go take a nap. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the more work you do, the more you're going to feel that anger coming to the surface, which is scary. But it doesn't have to be scary. It can be understood and utilized because really anger, think of it as passion. What what has God called you to do in life? And how have you diminished and shoved it so far down in fear of people saying it doesn't matter?
2: Yeah. And what I would venture to say is that your Enneagram coach would not exist without your anger. It is very true. I had an anger moment, which people, if
0: they go back to, I forgot what episode 38, 38, you'll hear my story.
1: uh, We have told the story in that regard of that one anger moment, but having walked with you through this, there have been a lot of anger moments. Yes, there
0: have been a lot of anger moments.
1: And it was wonderful. The other night uh, we had gotten spun out on uh, creating something new. And that's always vulnerable to us. And we want to be handle the Enneagram with integrity. And yet at the same time to kind of put our unique impact on it. And um, Beth and I got spun out. And so she went upstairs and I went to the bedroom and then I text her like, "Hey, is there anything I can do? Just to attempt at repair." And she goes, "You know what? I'm really angry right now, but I'm using it to create." And I thought, "Wow, <laughs> holy cow! I'm going to take a screenshot of that text." And
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, and and I I rely on my eight wing when that comes out because that's where clarity and passion, and I, of course, not using the anger in a Unhealthy, which 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 can be, but when can I use that passion, that surge of energy to bring the clarity the nine needs in that fog? and um but yeah, nines are very strong and powerful and wonderful when we access and utilize it, knowing our presence matters because it mattered to Christ to come and to save us and redeem us and bring him to himself. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us this Man, has this been is great. so amazing
1: super helpful and you know there i'm sure this is going to bring up a lot of questions for a lot of people and so where where could they find further resources from you
2: yeah yeah no great question a, a hesitancy just in in stepping into this is you know people are listening to this because they're interested in the enneagram and i'm kind of messing with and provoking in some ways <laughs> sure uh, their own hearts in places that they may not be ready or wanting to engage yet. And so if that's been the case for you, uh, I, I would just point you to uh, certain episodes of my podcast where I talk about trauma. Yeah. Um, you can just go to my website, adamyoungcounseling.com, click on podcast, scroll through the episodes and see which ones resonate with you. Uh, there's an episode about how do I know if I have trauma uh, there's all sorts of resources there, um, and there's some written free documents as well that can help with just getting started on engaging your story. But I would plead with you to get the care mm-hmm. that you need, whether that's professional counseling or or just you know a friend who has engaged their own story at some level and can be with you in
1: yours. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, as always, it is a gift to have you in our lives and to come into our lives at the time that you did. um, Grateful for you, grateful for your work, be encouraged. Um, Sometimes it's odd for us because particularly in light of 2020, we feel so removed from people and yet, our work continues to bear fruit. And so just be encouraged that our our community loves you and are so thrilled for um, what your message and what your um, intention has been uh, to help their lives and find healing and redemption. So thank you so much for your work. You're welcome. Thank you guys. Because this is such an important topic, we're going to be spending a couple more weeks on the subject of trauma. Next week, our guest is author and counselor, Andy Kobler.
0: And as always, please remember the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us and is the gospel that brings healing to our trauma.